Here we go. You're listening to Email Friday on Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. It's September the 20th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Boy, we're almost out of the month of January and getting near Christmas again. Time just is flying by. But so are a lot of teachings concerning God's holy word. Something happened in New York recently, and there's an article I read that anyone can marry you in New York. That was the title of the article. On Wednesday, New York Governor Kathy Hochul, H-O-C-H-U-L, signed a bill that gives anyone in the Empire State the ability to officiate weddings. Now, being an officiant at a wedding was a privilege previously granted only to clergy, members of the state judiciary, and elected officials. Now, any New Yorker over the age of 18 may attend a one-day state authorization and pay a small fee and therefore become an officiant at a wedding. The legislation, which did receive bipartisan support, would allow family members and friends to preside over weddings. Now, in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, a pastor does a wedding. And that's very important because we signed a document indicating that the people to be married have gone through a series of counseling and understanding of what marriage is. But today, we're dealing in a situation where we in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, would not permit a marriage between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. But it's even worse because if anybody can officiate at a marriage, guess what? They can marry anybody. And that doesn't mean that they have to follow the laws of the church. You could get a 40-year-old marrying a 15-year-old girl. And who knows what else could be going on. In other words, this idea that now anybody can conduct a marriage is a real problem. In fact, another problem that we're having is with transgender people. What's a transgender person? Well, how do you respond to someone who is born a male or born a female and then says, well, guess what? I'm the opposite. The thing that you say is the same thing you would say to a thief, a rebellious child, or what someone would say to us 
if we were living contrary to God's will. Titus 2 says to Christians, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our present God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are anxious for good works. Now, this refers to the life of sanctification, that when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit motivates them to be anxious to do good works because of our love for Jesus. This passage is packed with great hope. Just think, God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, waiting for our blessed hope. That is the glory and appearing of Jesus Christ. What hope is there in denying salvation and the appearance of Jesus Christ, purifying for oneself people for his own possession. That's what changed a man who raged against Christianity, even working to kill Christians. That was Saul before he became the Apostle Paul. His words changed himself, who kept a wonderful understanding that God had made him the apostle to the Gentiles. Many stories could be told of other heroes of the faith who repented and followed the Christ. Transgenderism isn't that only sin that appeals to those who need to be renounced. Christians, as much as in them lies, we renounce sin. We are saved by grace, and with thankful hearts, we turn our hands to the sins of the flesh. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we want to encounter sin and call out of our living that which displeases God. That was the task of John the baptizer. Repentance is the first step in becoming a Christian. Christians answer to God himself. But we are really coming up against real problems as found in the church. For example, one of the situations is the dictionary. They have changed the idea of who is a woman. 
A woman has got a new definition in the dictionary. Now, you would think that a woman, of course, is someone who is female, born that way. But the new dictionaries are saying that a woman is a person who considers themselves to be female, even if they were born a male. That's the definition of a woman. So we're really stuck with false teaching going on all over the secular world. We even have pastors who are talking about what it means to walk by faith. Kenneth Copeland is an evangelist with a TV broadcast entitled Believer's Voice of Victory. And last week, he declared that following Jesus leads to divine health, including protection from COVID-19. Kenneth Copeland, Copeland says, I will never have COVID because I walk by faith. That's what he said on his TV broadcast last week. He declared the following, Jesus leads to divine health, including protection from COVID-19. He did this during a Christmas Eve message entitled, To Set Free from Worry and Cares. He spoke about 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, walking by faith, not by sight. In fact, at one point in the broadcast, he said, if you know what to do in the natural and you know what to do in the supernatural, you can walk in divine health. And that's what we're talking about. So I believe it, and I walk by faith. Therefore, I will never have COVID of any kind. And then he said, Amen. Well, there's no doubt that there is a lot of evidence that what Copeland's comments are saying, he's 86 year old, and he's called a scam evangelist. Many write about faithful Christians who have died to COVID. Church leaders have reported throughout the pandemic the pro-coronary virus has said and led to the deaths of many Christians, including numerous pastors and prominent faith figures. According to the latest statistics, more than 100 million cases of COVID-19 have been diagnosed in the United States, and America has surpassed more than 1 million COVID-related deaths. Now, what does that mean? 
that means that Kenneth Copeland is saying to all of those Christians who became sick with COVID or died that they didn't have proper faith. I wonder how he would do a funeral of a Christian who died because of God's COVID that came to them. Yes, nobody gets COVID without God's permission. And therefore, we need to understand that even Christians can receive COVID for a reason that God has. It may be to strengthen our faith or to help us understand the divine presence. Well, the problem is that we're finding that there are churches that are now using psychedelic drugs to experience the divine presence. What does that mean? Well, the Portal Community Center in South Berkeley houses the Sacred Garden Church. And what they're doing is they're using various drugs and they're facilitating plant journeys or ceremonies for a number of years. The groups become larger and they are decided to make sense to open a church to accommodate a growing interest in membership. Many of the church's meetings happen in this portal space and it's home to other kinds of events not all religious in nature. It was founded in 2020 by David Broner of the Soap Empire. Broner said his family has invested around 25 million into the psychedelic space over the last 20 years. He heard about the plant ceremonies that were being facilitated and the church that had formed out of them. Now, it really isn't a Christian church when you think that you can experience divine presence by using drugs. But anyway, Broner offered the church a six-figure, three-year funding commitment to launch the portal. Before, there wasn't a place like this for members of this community to meet. Demand has grown steadily. And so far this year, this space, the portal community, has held over 250 events for groups that hold facilitation workshops, practitioner training, recovery meetings, and more. He first used psychedelics at the age of 17. Accompanied by friends, he took a high dose of LSD, which led him to meditate on top of a mountain. He said he watched what once felt separate from him, the trees, the grass, the sky, 
all turn into this solid light and become one. The pastor said, I thought I was going to have to die for this to happen. I was like, Jesus, are you going to tell me anything? Giving his religious upbringing in a Methodist family, the words that came to pastor to describe the experience were overwhelmingly spiritual. Hungry to learn more, he pursued psychology and religious studies, and that helped him to better understand how psychedelic substances could change the nature of both his consciousness and his experience of reality. This sacred garden community is far from the only church in which psychedelic sacraments are its practices. There are other centers throughout the country that hold ceremonies with psychedelics, including the popular Side Door Church in East Oakland. The history of their use to reach spiritual enlightenment goes back centuries, but the 1960s are known as the heyday of psychedelic experimentation in the United States for spiritual, recreational, and therapeutic use. We, we know that a number of drugs are now becoming legal in some states, like marijuana. And yet, the impact of marijuana is not clearly known. I saw a movie based on a true event where a woman was driving three children in her car and she ended up going the wrong way down an expressway. She was in the wrong lane going against oncoming traffic. Her daughter, very young, had phoned someone for help and was telling her mother, don't be driving this way. But she continued to drive and crashed into another car. And she and the children in the car died. They discovered she had taken marijuana earlier in the day. So these kinds of things occur in certain states. California became one of the first two states to outlaw LSD in 1966. In 1970 then, President Richard Nixon signed the Controlled Substance Act, which made most psychedelics illegal in the U.S. But since then, legislation has been created to help churches use psychedelics in their practice without interference from the government. In 1993, the government signed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act as a sort of safety net added to the First Amendment. 
This act ensures that religious freedom is protected for churches that are actively practicing. The criteria listed by the Drug Enforcement Administration to allow exemption for churches is short, but vague in its language, stating that sincere religious exercise must be demonstrated. Now, this has created a loophole for churches. It doesn't make the drugs legal under federal and state jurisdiction, but in terms of policy, there has been a recent wave of legislation to move decriminalization efforts forward in California and specifically the Bay Area. Last year, an act was passed in the Senate to legalize and remove penalties for the possession and use of psychedelics in the Golden State, including magic mushrooms, DMT, LSD, and other things for people who are 21 years old and older. It was sponsored by Senator Scott Weiner and approved by the Assembly Public Health and Public Safety Committee. The bill's decriminalization aspect was eliminated and the plan was reduced to a single study. In 2019, a proposal to decriminalize various drugs was presented by the Berkeley City Council by then Council Member Regal Robinson and Cheryl Davini. It was originally written by Decriminalized Nature Oakland, a nonprofit that works to decriminalize various drugs, but was further pursued by Berkeley's Community Health Commission. The commission did create a subcommittee in order to study the possible benefits of decriminalizing these substances. And this year, a new resolution was written in subcommittee membership decriminalizing all psychedelics in Berkeley. This is very important, including LSD. Now, Berkeley is still far behind its Oakland neighbor, which passed its decriminalization bill back in 2019. Sacred Garden was incorporated in Oakland and their pastor, uh, Pastor Bob, said the church has been careful to never engage in wrong practices in Berkeley. In other words, he hopes to prevent run-ins with the law as he experiences with the Oakland Police Department. He said he is confident in the sincerity of his church's religious practice. He said, we have religious freedom in the United States. We have a sincere church. 
it's the state's obligation to prove otherwise. And I pray that they don't care to try to do that. So the Christian church is being faced by a number of practices using psychedelic drugs in order that they might experience divine presence. There's no doubt that certain drugs gives a person a high, and therefore they think, therefore, that that is really what the church is about, to give them an experience of the divine encounter. Well, Paul had an experience of the divine encounter on the road to Damascus, but that didn't lead him to start on drugs. It led him instead to be baptized. Now, baptism does not use psychedelic drugs. It uses water and the promises of God so that a person can not only receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, but also the sure forgiveness of sins. That is how we experience God, through his word, through his promises, and not through drugs. It's important that the church really speak against what is happening in the world today, against Christian teaching, because such Christian teaching will ruin the church and people will no longer find it necessary to think that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. Instead, psychedelic drugs can become another way to encounter the divine presence. And that's a problem that the church needs to speak out against. I'm Tom Baker. This has been a look at some of the problems going on in the United States by those who think they are the church in deciding they won't get COVID, in deciding the definition of a woman that is unbiblical, and deciding to take drugs. Watch out for these things as Christians. Until Monday, God bless Listen to you. Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.